Hello and welcome to the Be Connected podcast. I'm Val Quinn and I'm a technology commentator, broadcaster and publisher and just so happen to be your host today too. So from checking train times, booking restaurants and watching videos online, even controlling light switches, we use the internet every single day for so many different things. It's completely reshaped our lives since its introduction almost 40 years ago. Believe it or not, it's actually got its 40th birthday on the 1st of January, 2023. So if I told you how many people had sent messages around the world since I started talking in this segment alone, the number would be absolutely staggering. So have a guess, and I'll let you know a bit later on in our podcast what that number is. But it is really mind-blowing that so much of the world can now be accessed through this tiny screen that we hold in our hands, our smartphones. And just 25 years ago, you know, that felt like science fiction. So in this episode, we're looking at the amazing facts around the internet. So that's not just what it is, but some incredible information about its history and where we've come in such a short period of time. Helping us navigate this today is comedian, author, podcaster, and radio presenter, Nellie Thomas. Thanks for joining us, Nellie. Great to have you. Thank you, Val. And um, I'm dialing in today from a phone on the wall in the kitchen, you know, with the long like spiral line and I'm holding it out. No, I'm not really. I'm coming to you via the internet. Oh, I was excited there. I love a bit of, you know, retro tech, the old rotary dialer and oh, boy, oh. that would be fun. Do you remember when you had to ask permission to use the phone and be like 20 cents a phone call and you have to ask mum if you're allowed to call your friend? Oh, I do. I do. And I love it when, you know, my mum would pick up the phone while I was talking to somebody else and I thought she was listening in. And <laughs> yeah, she was listening in. I can tell you, I'm the parent of teenagers. She was listening in. Well, you know, now that we're in the internet age and, you know, access to information is just so extraordinary. So, you know, there, there's some, some really fun and even bizarre facts about the internet um, that I'd love to unpack with you. And uh, that includes uh, the actual internet itself being brought up in a beer garden. Yeah, well, I mean, as a comedian, I've got to say, Val, that doesn't surprise me because I do spend a bit of time in beer gardens and there are a lot of good ideas that are thought up in a beer garden. It is really incredible, like how much the internet is part of our lives. I think what's amazing for me, I think particularly I'm a mum of a teenager, so I can see that real sort of generational shift. Yeah, it is a bit scary when you talk to kids and they can tell you about TikTok and some of these other, um, you know, amazingly popular um, apps that they're using on the internet. It's kind of scary when you talk to someone who's kind of grown up with the internet, just how embedded it is. Um, You know, I I mean, if you think about it, like right this minute around 4.9 billion people are are using the internet and that's for work or whether it's for for leisure relaxing connecting to family and friends so what do you think is like the most interesting fact uh, about the internet for you Nelly? Ah look I mean I think there's so many things that that um, sort of jump out to me but probably the most interesting one for me because it's actually very different to how I use the internet is that 90% of users connect to the internet using a mobile device so you know like a mobile phone um, a smartphone or an iPad and not like I use it at a computer at a desk which you know again to my children seems positively antiquated but I guess now with you know 5G and things like hotspots and being able to access the internet almost everywhere we can have it literally all the time like I remember sitting with a friend a comedian colleague actually after a gig we remembered a lyric from a song we were trying to remember which song it was 
And he had this newfangled app on his phone where he just said the lyric into the phone and then the phone told us the title of the song and who sang it. And I think that was only about 10 years ago. That's true. I mean, if you, if you think about, you know, it's taking just a snippet of, of the song and then it's searching this incredibly huge database somewhere else in the world and then figuring out what it matches up to and then giving you that information. It's just, it's like magic. Mm. <laughs> and, and speaking of speaking of facts and factoids you can look up, who came up with the World Wide Web, which, and the World Wide Web is, what I mean by that is that, you know, the, the web pages that run on the internet, who, who came up with that? So I thought when I was looking into this, I just assumed, and this could be my bias as a writer, I thought it would be a writer. You know, I thought it would be a Mary Shelley or some someone like that who would have had this vision years ahead. Um, but it was actually a scientist, which shouldn't surprise me really, a British physicist called Tim Berners-Lee in 1989. And again, I think you're old enough to remember 1989. We're talking... That wasn't that long ago. Not that long ago. Actually, it's quite a while ago, if you know what I'm saying. Like, you don't want to think about how long ago it was. But we're talking the Berlin Wall came down in 1989. Uh, Microsoft Office was first released. Nintendo launched Game Boy. There was the Tiananmen Square protests, Indiana Jones, Dead Poets Society, Beaches, Val. Beaches came out in 1989. Wow. Like it was a big year. <laughs> do, you, do you know something? I have to admit, this is a little embarrassing, but um, like I've been a computer magazine editor for a long time. And I remember, I think it was in 94, I had this conversation, like an argument with my publisher about the World Wide Web, about whether it was interesting enough a topic to write about and whether it was actually going to be something that people cared about. And I still remember this to this day. And I was saying, no, I don't think so. It's not very, it looks terrible. Yep. Who's going to remember a URL or a web address yep. to go anywhere? And so. Okay, Val, look, you were wrong. Okay, <laughs> you were wrong. It, it turns was, out was it was wrong. not a flash in the pan. Mind you, if you had d tried to describe to 1994 me, a young Nelly, you know, how much I would be relying on the internet, I wouldn't have believed you. So I don't think you're the only one who didn't have that foresight. Well, I feel a little bit better now. Thank you very much. Um, but also something really popular that the internet is, is built to do is is to send emails. Emails. Yeah. And, you know, the that actually first happened in 1971. Um, and that was um, created by a, a guy called Ray Tomlinson. And he sent the first email uh, not to anybody in particular, but to himself. So we don't even know what he said to himself. It was probably what, like... Test. <laughs> yeah, test. <laughs> nothing too interesting. Out of office. <laughs> oh, yeah, out of office. I know. It's But now emails, they're used in their billions every day. And you, you mentioned Tiananmen Square in China. And China actually leads the way uh, with the most internet usage. Uh, obviously, they've got a huge population. And, and over... 854 million users, uh, and that makes up 20% of the total number of people online ever. Wow. So it is incredible. The numbers are staggering. But how, how many emails do you think are sent every day? By me or you know, <laughs> in the whole world? Um, online shopping, uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, do you actually, Val, do you remember the first time you got email? Oh, man. I think it was... I finally got a job uh, and uh, they they had a computer there and I could receive emails on the computer. So that was probably early 90s, maybe. Early 90s, yeah. yeah. So I literally remember because for me it was 1994. And the reason I remember it is because I distinctly remember I was at uni and I remember us all talking about the fact that you could now get access to free faxes. Ooh. That's how we thought of emails, that you wouldn't have to pay to fax someone. 
And obviously now it's like email. I would send myself, I don't know, at least 20 emails a day, probably more. I certainly receive more than that. Um, How many are sent all over the world every day? Jeez. I mean, it would have to be in the hundreds of millions, wouldn't it? Well, according to these stats, um, by 2025, there's meant to be an estimated 375 million emails sent every single day. Wow. Spam probably will take up most of those. Um, And do you think, Val, like, is that going to continue, though? Because, again, I mean, I'm only basing this on a household of one, but my 14-year-old, for example, basically doesn't use email except for school, and that's because school's run by old people, you know, and I include myself in that. Um, They use Messenger and Snapchat and all that sort of thing to communicate. So I wonder if that, will that continue? Well, I think that's a really good point. So the whole idea now is to minimize your inbox clutter because, mm. you know, when you step into work and you've got 100 emails, it's kind of like that's your to-do list. Um, so now there's more direct forms of messaging where everybody's part of a group and uh, they can share things that way. So, yeah, I think that emails are going to – I think the problem there is spam. Ultimately, uh, there's a huge amount of spam that makes up – I can't remember the percentage, but it's a large, large amount of what emails are sent. Massive in mine. Are you going to be honest with me, Val? All right, tell me straight up, how many unopened emails have you got? Unopened emails at the moment. Okay, I'm looking at my Outlook inbox right now and I have 839 unopened emails. Unopened. That's a lot of digital clutter, dude. Oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I do my best to manage it. I'm supposed to be a tech expert and staying on top of this stuff yeah. is, is difficult. You, I have like filters and rules and all kinds of things that wow. are, are meant to only surface the most important emails. And uh, what can you do? It's just uh, information overload. I'm, I'm going to say this is going to sound a bit up myself, but I came into this conversation a bit nervous because I am a little bit of a technophobe. I try my best, but it does make me nervous and anxious. But I'm winning, Val. I've only got about 10. That's incredible. I'm really impressed with that. Yeah, I am on it. I don't keep text messages either. Once I've dealt with an issue, it's gone. Delete, deal with it, get it out of the way. All right, I feel I need to offer you a service, a decluttering service. We'll chat after the podcast. That's right. You can declutter my closet or you can declutter my inbox. It's just all lots both, of decluttering. Mate. I'll do both. <laughs> yeah, I think I need both. Well, let, let's look at some other, um, you know, other little facts and things about the internet too. Like, um, for example, yeah. Google searching. Uh, I have read that there's an average of 63,000 Google searches Yep. Every second. Second. Every day. Yeah. Not minute, not like hour, not day, every single second, which shouldn't surprise us really. I mean, I was trying to think about this three of us in my house. I would guess we would do minimum 20 to 30 Google searches a day, whether it's for work or school or I don't know, looking up a restaurant. So if you multiply that by everyone's household, it's not surprising, but it is kind of staggering when you think even just in terms, I don't understand how it works, but just in terms of the infrastructure. And and if you think about it too, like all of this information is contained on computers or servers that are halfway around the world. Um, and you get these answers to your questions back near instantly. It searches this incredible encyclopedia, figures out what you want and sends it back to you in just a fraction of a second. It's just, it's an incredible age that we live in. Yeah. So Val, I was just wondering when you do type something into Google or whichever search engine you use, and then it gives you the the topics, is that 
sort of specific to me and my search or, you know, does it know what Nellie's looking at on the internet or is that like the worldwide, you know, leading topic? That's a really good question because it generally learns about what your interests are. Uh, Google tends to know where you're going online, what web pages you're looking at, and it can sort of build a profile uh, that it runs through an algorithm to kind of predict what you might want. So it knows about you. And that's got a little bit creepy for some people, um, which is understandable. Um, but there are more private ways that you can sort of navigate the internet. Um, and actually, we, we've got a, a really great uh, Be Connected course on that called Advanced Online Security, uh, Protecting Your Privacy Online. So, you know, you can hop onto that and learn more about it. But it's a really important part of um, us using the Internet is keeping ourselves sort of secure and private, too. Mm. And, you know, the topics, it's really interesting to see what the most popular search topics are as well. When you type in something into a search field, there's, there's usually a little drop down that tries to auto-complete what you're searching for. And what it suggests mm. there is based on the most popular searches uh, around what you're typing. So it's always interesting to see what it thinks you're trying to find. And that's based on what other people have been trying to find. And it's an interesting insight into uh, what people's interests are and in all of that. Yes. Um, you know, one of my um, favourite facts about the internet, I think it's important as well to, you know, acknowledge the women who've been, um, you know, have shaped the internet. And one of the most well-known of those is Jean Armapolly, who invented the term surfing alongside internet in 1992. So she was a New York libra librarian and she coined the term because I think it's not a natural it's not something that I would instinctively come up with, the idea of surfing the web, but now it's so ubiquitous that it sort of makes sense. Um, she was also known as like the internet mom or in American, I guess, the net mom, which I don't know about you, Val, but I find has got a slight sexist tinge to it. Um, but, you know, she was really important in the development of the internet. It is great to see, um, you know, that there's you know, women involved in the, you know, the foundation uh, of, you know, the internet and, and what we're doing today. Um, and I always wonder too, sort of how surfing connected to it all, but, uh, but there you go. Well, speaking of other women in technology, um, did you know that the Queen of England sent her first email in 1976? <laughs> so yeah, Queen Elizabeth II, she took part in this demonstration to showcase the new technology. Well, Val, I think it would be odd if I did know that. Let's be honest, that is a very <laughs> obscure fact. Um, but I tell you what, as someone who attends a lot of quiz nights, that is an excellent quiz fact because if you had said to me, when did Queen Elizabeth send her first email, I would not have guessed as early as 1976. I reckon I would have gone 1986 at best, maybe even 1996. That is very early, well, yeah, much I mean, earlier than I would it, have thought. In the grand scheme of technology, that's an incredibly early email. So yeah, mm. she um, was given some pretty um, amazing access to this crazy new technology at the time. And do we know what she said okay. in her email and who she emailed? You know, I'm sure it was uh, private. So yeah. you know, we're, we're probably not privileged <laughs> enough to know what that information It'll come out was. of the vault in about 50 years. Yeah, it'll be a scandal. Yeah. But anyway, but here's another here's another um, uh, question for trivia. What do you think Wi-Fi stands for? I was Any thinking, idea? I have thought about this before. I don't know why, but I assume the Phi is fidelity, you know, in the same way that you do with radios and so on. But the Y, I, I mean, is it wide? Wide fidelity? I, I think you got really close. I mean, 
my understanding is it's wireless fidelity uh, and it came from that that whole kind of audio high fidelity hi-fi sort of thing yeah. and it you know it, it wasn't anything formal they just thought that uh you know hey if high fidelity means great quality music production let's say wi-fi is you know a form of internet access that was superior to normal wired internet so there you go mm. speaking of smart what is a smart home and why on earth would I want one? Like all I can see is this vision of a fridge telling me, you know, what I need to order in the shopping, how many calories I've eaten that day, you know, giving me, heckling me, Val, heckling <laughs> me. That is, uh, this is not a vision of a happy home to me. Yeah, we, we're we not talking heckled homes. We're talking smart homes. So we, um, a smart home, I guess the way I describe that is that it, it it's, a home that has devices in it that are connected to the internet. And and these are devices like web cameras and thermostats. And you're right, smart appliances, which could be your fridge, stove, uh, you know, uh, washing machine, dishwasher that are internet connected. Well, and I understand you've done a previous episode on, on smart homes in this podcast series, which I think I'm going to have to go back and listen to because I've got to tell you, Val, I'm not convinced. So... In practical terms, I'm in the beer garden, I'm out at night and I think I can send a message to my smart home to put the lights on so that burglars think I'm home. Am I going to put a lasagna on? Like what is the, (laughs) why Val, why? Okay, well, here's how it works. You're sitting at the beer garden and you're thinking, okay, I'm not at home. I wonder when the kids are going to come home. Your smart security cameras are connected to the internet and say when uh, your daughter comes home, you'll get a, a ping from the security camera showing a picture of who just came in the front door. So you're like, okay, well, good. I know they're home. And then you're thinking, um, I might pick up some some milk on the way home. Uh, I think I'm running out. But what you can do is then you can pick up your phone and you can ask your smart fridge to show you a picture of inside the refrigerator to see if there's anything else that might be running out. Wow. So then you can have that information. And if you want to, you can pre-warm the oven to so you can make some, I don't know, a late night snack when you get home. So there's there's all these types of things that you can actually do. Or if you wanted to start the robot lawnmower out back and have it do a night cut <laughs> so it looks fresh in the morning, you can do that from your phone at the beer garden. So those sorts of things you can do. So wow. um, I guess it just gives you more control over those devices. You can change your thermostat, change the temperature, all of those types of things. Mm. Um, um, and, you know, there, there are currently um, 258.54 million smart homes in the world. And um, there's uh, 15.9 million smart home devices like uh, these smart speakers, like your Amazon Echo or your Google Home or your HomePods. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of those too. Yeah. Um, another thing, another... Uh, uh, plug into some of the great courses we have is we have one which is called Introduction to Smart Homes. What is smart home technology? Where you can really dig in and learn all about it what, from a beginner's point of view up to some some great intermediate topics as well. So that's a good one to check out. I mean, evidently I need to do that because, you know, I'm conflicted. I don't want to just be resistant to new things. Like I think that's a really bad attitude, but there's also part of me going, like when I was researching for these podcasts, is like, smart bird houses and smart <laughs> desk mats and smart pillows. And I'm like, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. That's very, very true. You know, there's something I call technology for its own sake. And there's a lot of examples of that. Like my electric toothbrush, I can connect to the internet and yeah, why? You know, well, it can why? give me some brushing tips and telling me how effective I'm yeah. brushing, but maybe I don't really want to know. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it's just a bigger picture sort of question for me. Speaking of, though, can I pivot to my trivial use of the internet? And I don't care if you like it or not, Val. I'm just going to be completely honest. I only just started on Instagram this year, so I'm very much a late adopter, but I basically put pictures of food on it. You're one of those food posters, huh? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) People joke about that and, you know, like, who wants to see you? Fish fingers, Nelly. But I don't know. I just really like it. I like seeing um, what people are eating in their homes. I like meals. I'm a foodie. I like to see what people do. If you had to guess, what do you think is the most photographed food on the internet? Well, apparently from what I've heard, the most digitally photographed food is actually pizza. (laughs) So there you go. Pizza. And I'm like, what is that about? I mean, is it because pizza itself is so common or is there something really satisfying? Maybe because it is considered by some junk food? Like, is it because it's a bit taboo? Mm. I think people get excited about pizza <laughs> because it's, oh, I do. there's passion about pizza and, you know, it'll just make yeah. me hungry when I look at it. But also um, the second place one, guess what this one is? It's not pizza and it's probably a lot healthier. It's actually sushi. So um, that that's number sushi, two. Yeah, that makes sense to mm. me because sushi is very visually satisfying. The colors are beautiful and you do feel kind of virtuous, don't you, eating sushi? Yeah, it's it's the more aesthetic choice to take a photo with because yeah, you can I make it look so. quite cultured. beautiful. Yeah, more cultured. But then we jump right back into juicy steaks, burgers and bacon. Yeah. So- <laughs> <laughs> now I've got another question for you. Just have a guess. Stab in the dark. On average, how many hours a day do you think people use the internet? Uh, I guess if you're working and most people work online, it's got to be probably uh, around seven, nearly seven hours a day using the internet. It is nearly seven hours a day. Do you know how many hours, because I get the notification on my phone, how many hours a day do you use the internet? With Apple, you get this, um, uh, there's a, a monitor called screen time that you can look at your screen time figures. Yes. So um, when I look at that, uh, I could probably check right now. And it is, okay. So my average is, oh my God, okay. 7.2 hours of time online a day. That's 7.2. terrifying. Okay. I was actually really worried about this until I spoke to you, Val. Mine is 2.3. That's it. Wow, that's not so much. It's not, is it? I'm actually doing it, but I still think that's an extraordinary amount of time. It is a lot of time. And screen time consolidates time across your computer, your phones, and your tablets too. So it it, mm. it tracks everything, but uh, that's kind of terrifying. Um but it just goes to show you, it is a, a very, very big part uh, of our lives, the internet. Um, you know, Google, I was reading, uh, uh, has 5.6 billion searches every day. What are we looking for? You know, it reminds me of my, so my Nana who died when she was 97. So she was born in the early 1900s. I remember I came home from uni one summer and I was reading a book. She wasn't a big reader. And she said to me, she's like, Nellie, what else do you need to know? Hmm. <laughs> I think, imagine if my darling Nana was alive now and looking at 5.6 billion Google searches a day. Like, what are we, what are we asking? There's a lot of, lot of things people are searching for, aren't there? You know, when you think about it that way, and you're absolutely right. But, you know, it's amazing. You'll get answers 
uh, you know, the if you're looking for the latest movie, the, you know, ratings or how do I get from A to B? It's just incredible now. I mean, I, I use my smart speaker and ask it things, which then it goes to Google and checks and then tells me converting metric to imperial or or I'm embarrassed to say, what day is it today? <laughs> <laughs> what platform do you like? Are you mostly on email? Are you mostly on, I don't know, Facebook? Like, what are you mostly using? I actually try to limit my social networking time. Yeah. But when it comes to relaxation, I actually find that um, I spend a lot of time on YouTube watching little short videos around topics that I'm interested in. And people create new stuff every day. So there's always something to watch. Mm. And then another good one is Reddit, where there's a lot of discussions, again, based around people's uh, interests. And it can keep you for, uh, you know, uh, hours if you're not careful. Mm. Yeah, but what about you, Nelly? What what's yours? What's your most common sort of platform? Well, I'm very kind of strict with myself. I don't have any social media on my phone um, because I don't like to be on my phone too much. Especially, I like to be present. You know, if we're going to talk about the negatives, I think there's nothing that upsets me more than if I'm with another human being and they're on their phone. Mm. So I mainly use it. Uh, I use Facebook which I think for a lot of people is becoming old old technology now. But for me, it's a way to be connected with old friends. I don't live in the place that I grew up. Um, I'm connected with colleagues. Obviously, during COVID, it's been huge for con- social connection. And I'm in, I've got a couple of kids with disabilities. So I'm in various sort of carer kind of support groups. And they have been I can't tell you how important they have been to me, particularly over the last few years. Um, So a lot of positives there for me with Facebook. And I like seeing what my friends are doing. You know, I Mm. wasn't on Facebook for many years. I was quite against it. And I missed a lot of stuff. I mean, one of my friends had a baby and I didn't know, you know, because they had shared that they were pregnant and having this baby on Facebook and I wasn't on there. So um, I enjoy that. And yeah, the usual, you know, the streaming services get a lot of uh, of a run in my house, the Netflix and those kinds of things. And definitely for the kids, they watch far more YouTube. Mm. They don't, they basically don't watch free-to-wear TV. They watch YouTube. Yeah. The, the good thing about YouTube is that it, you can kind of dive in and watch something short and then yeah. kind of dive out again. But, um, but yeah, to your, to your point about uh, Facebook and it, it really does connect you. And I think that's oh. the best part about, you know, what the internet can do is it can, it can bring us closer to the people we care about or to the communities that we share common interests with um, and, you know, find uh, information or just a sense of belonging and community. Mm. Um, and during the COVID, you know, the COVID times, it's it's been really isolating. And uh, I think I'm thankful that the internet was there to to kind of keep us, whether it's streaming Netflix or, or you know, video conferencing with loved ones overseas. Um, you know, there's some real, real benefits to the internet um, as well. Oh, and also I should mention too, that if you want to learn more about social media apps, we've got a great Be Connected course um, uh, just called Social Media Apps and, and we've got an introduction to Facebook. So mm. if, you, if you're not using it, which most people are, um, mm. you can get some more great tips about how to use it too. Well, and I think people who are reticent about it, and I understand that because, like I said, I'm a late adopter to these things, but one of the things that I didn't know that you could do, and you'll probably learn this in the course, if you are um, getting messages or seeing posts from someone who upsets you or who, you know, is offensive or whatever, there are ways actually to deal with that, whether you block them or snooze them or whatever it is. Like you don't actually have to be exposed to everything on Facebook. 
And I think before you use it, it feels like that's how it's going to be. And it's actually not. You can, you know, limit it to the people that you want to interact with. And it can be really, it actually can be really uplifting. Hmm. Yeah, for me, it's been really positive, actually, on the whole. That's that's really good. And it, it does bring us closer to those people. And obviously, it's good to be uh, informed and uh, aware. But I, I, you know, would... I would welcome anybody to to hop onto social networking to really kind of experience what it can offer. Mm. Um, and we've got great courses to support that. Yeah. And I think it's great to to do a course like that before you get involved. Mm. Yes, definitely do some um, do some research, inform yourself, and then hop in there. But um, there you have it. You know, Nelly, we could we could probably go on about the internet for, for hours because it's it's one of my favorite topics, and it really does affect every you know every part of our lives uh, if we wanted to, um, or even if we don't. Um, but yeah, look, thank you so much for joining me uh, for this Be Connected podcast. Uh, it's been great just to, to hear your knowledge and experience and to get your perspective on everything. So I really appreciate your time today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I hope to be able to come to your house in person one day, declutter your emails, declutter your closet, <laughs> and maybe have a look at your browser history. <laughs> <laughs> oh look i think you'll be going to be very very busy you may have bitten off a little more you can chew there it's, it's a big job thanks for having me val no my pleasure oh and for those of you out there who guessed how many text messages were uh sent just during my brief little introduction at the beginning of this podcast there were 8.2 million emails and 4 million text messages sent in just about you know 20 or 30 seconds it is mind-blowing If you like what you heard, please subscribe to receive all of the latest episodes and leave a review to help others find us too. And remember to visit the show notes for more information on anything we've covered today. I know we've talked about a lot of stuff and it includes links to other useful materials too. And lastly, to discover other great topics, go to beconnected.esafety.gov.au. That's beconnected.esafety.gov. I'm Val Quinn, and I look forward to your company next time. Be Connected is an Australian government initiative developed by the Department of Social Services, the eSafety Commissioner and Good Things Foundation Australia. Be Connected builds the digital skills, confidence and online safety of all Australians with engaging online learning resources and a network of over 3,500 community organisations to support them to thrive in a digital world.